but I will never forget my parents. Um, sleeping on the floor in the hallway outside of my room to make sure that I was safe. And I knew they were doing that, you know. And um, your children see your effort, even if you think they don't. Your children see your effort. And man, the Lord, my mom has been faithful. If it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and the glory of kings to search it out, then Queen, we have a few questions to ask and a few conversations to have. I am your host, Liv Dooley, and I cannot wait to introduce you to some of the women who inspire me to fall more deeply in love with the Word of God and walk in integrity in new ways every day. I am so grateful that you're here. Let's go on and get to work. Hey y'all, it's me Liv and I want to thank you for coming back for yet another conversation here at The Best Kept Secrets. If you have yet to leave a rating and review, may I ask you to head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and do that now. My goodness, I am so grateful for those of you who take any time out of your day to speak life over the time that we spend together. And I bless God for you. I hope that you have enjoyed the conversations we've been having with our guests because they are helping us to show up more integrated in everything we do so that we don't appear as if we are hypocrites, as Joe Saxton helped us to learn a few episodes ago. Today, we are going to be talking with a dear friend of mine who is doing incredibly important work, and I cannot wait to introduce you to her. However, as we prepare for our conversation, I want to invite you to consider a few things with me first, because our culture does not like to talk about holiness. Earlier this season, a mutual friend of Brenna's and mine, Felicia Masonheimer, through whom I actually met our guest today, came on. And she has written a book titled Every Woman a Theologian, Know What You Believe, Live It Confidently, Communicate It Graciously. And my goodness, y'all, this book is absolutely beautiful. And within it, she has a statement that I continue to come back to over and over and over again. It's one that she referenced here on the podcast. And It's one that I want to ensure that I quote so that we can really reflect on it in preparation for this conversation. She writes, It is vital that Christians understand both God's holiness and his love. Many believers tend to emphasize one over the other, leading to an imbalanced and extreme theology. If God is only holy and not loving, there is no hope. For us, no safety in his affection. If God is all love and no holiness, my behavior doesn't matter, and I am left in my sins, hurting other image bearers with my selfish deeds. God's love calls us to holiness so that we love others effectively, and in so and in doing so, bless the world. It's one of my favorite quotes, y'all, and it's one that I wanted to read in light of Hebrews chapter 12, which we are back at today. During the resurrection season, I really focused on the joy that led the Lord to despise the cross and the shame that it brought. However, we cannot simply stop there. It is important that we recognize it is because of the Lord's joy that we 
have this motivation to grow more intimate with him in every way. And that chapter doesn't end with a joy. It continues to talk about the discipline that we must submit ourselves to and the incredible opportunity and privilege that that brings since a loving father disciplines his children. It continues even further beyond that as well, though. Verse 13 says, And make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. That imagery in chapter 12, verse 13, helps us see that The scriptures use a lot of different language to talk about making straight your paths. And Proverbs 3, 6 is one of the more popular verses, which tells us to acknowledge the Lord in all our ways, and he will make our path straight. What I find is that we don't actually like to acknowledge the Lord in all our ways. There are things that we like to keep to ourselves. There are things that we feel rather offended about when other Christians attempt to address them. But here, the Lord tells us that he's making straight paths for our feet and helping us to do the same when we acknowledge the Lord in all our ways. And it is then that we can truly become integrated and develop greater integrity as Christians. But he doesn't stop there. He says, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. And this refers to those believers who are in danger because of spiritual fatigue or even spiritual laxity. And we as believers who are strong should care for the weakest members of the community so that they may be healed. It's beautiful imagery because it talks about our need for one another. However, it doesn't stop there either. The writer of Hebrews goes on to say that we should strive for peace with everyone and for holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. And when we consider all of this, we recognize how important it is to ensure that we have a balance between peace and holiness, between love and holiness. Many of you know I am a second grade teacher and I teach with some of within some of the poorest schools in our districts here in the United States, particularly in Las Vegas. And I would have it no other way. Y'all need to know that these schools are my homes and the members in it are my family. I grew up attending Title I schools because of the makeup of the neighborhoods in my hometown, which we do not have time to get into. I am from Southern Illinois. We don't have time to get into it. But these are the schools that I've grown up in. They're the schools that I would rather be in if I'm going to teach. And I tell you that new teachers always remind me of the importance of mentorship. I have been one of those new teachers, so I need y'all to know I recognize that and I'm grateful for those who came along to mentor me. However, it just pains me to see new teachers who refuse to accept mentorship because oftentimes they come in with an imbalance. They either come in with what they identify as love Or they come in with these incredibly high standards, which I would say would be like the holiness which the Lord calls us to. When we see them emphasize one over the other, it always leads to an imbalance in their classroom. And they have some of the worst behavior issues in the school. Why? Because when they claim to love the children without focusing on the need for high standards, 
they accept mediocre behavior and they make excuses for the child. They refuse to send home homework because of the hard family lives that they come from. And they even fail to discipline the children because hmm, they have so much pity for the child out of the love that they have. And it it does upset me. It frustrates me because I want you to know that if Beverly Young had seen little Olivia had a teacher who refused to give her homework out of the love that she had, Beverly Young would have had a whole issue and everyone would have known it. On the flip side, however, I've seen teachers who have incredibly high standards to the point where it leaves us questioning if they love the children at all. They don't take time to listen to the children. They don't take time to acknowledge the children. They don't take time to welcome the children. It's all about business. And they also have a lot of behavior issues within their classroom because the children don't feel love either. It's my prayer that this tiny little example helps you to see the need and the great love that our Lord has for us when he calls us to peace and holiness, love and holiness, because we need them both. And I thank God. I thank God for his knowledge. I thank God for his love. There have been times when I have ignored those standards, rebelled against those standards, and quite honestly become angry for having those standards. However, the more I grow in intimacy with him, the more I worship beyond my own understanding, the more I grow in understanding and love for that which he loves. And it is that posture that I pray we approach this conversation with today. It's that time, y'all. My co-host Tanya and I are back with another woman you should know. Liv, tell me about the woman you're going to introduce us to on today, please. What's her name? What's her name? Oh my goodness, her name is DeAndrea Heckard. And my goodness, this woman has a powerful message from mm. the Lord. And fit. I mean, can you tell me, have you ever been in a space where you had heard about the speaker and you kind of interacted with them in the past, but you never heard them speak? Have you ever been, have you ever been in that situation before? Of course, of course, of course. <laughs> what was your reaction when they finally opened their mouth to share the word of the Lord? Well, you're like, you don't even, you can't even have a reaction. You're like speechless. You're like in awe. You're like undone. Absolutely. I know exactly what you mean. I feel like <laughs> I would mention the name, but it's okay. I'll leave the name out. But yeah, you're in awe. You're just like, whoa, God. Like, whoa, whoa. That is the effect that DeAndrea Heckard has on me every single time she opens her mouth. You can find her on Instagram at DeAndrea Heckard, and you can also find her on Instagram at The Ladies Lounge, because when I tell y'all, this sister of ours is so, mm, so intentional about inviting women into spaces where they are going to be healed as she shares mm. what she has been through with so much transparency. Mm -hmm. So y'all, I want to invite you to connect with her on social media. She and her husband lead a church out here in Las Vegas and the Lord is just doing an incredible work through the testimony that he has given them. And it always encourages me that we have never gone too far for him to redeem us. And my goodness, I appreciate DeAndrea. Oh man, and I just love that about God. Sometimes we're shy of sharing our testimony. Sometimes it's fear of shame and so many things, but I truly believe our testimonies are to free people. Our testimonies are literally to 
free people from the bondage that they're in because they may not know that someone's been there someone's walked through this or someone's walked through something so similar Ah, oh, I absolutely, I'm 100% for that. I feel like if you know me, if you know Kamos with my sister, you absolutely know I wholeheartedly believe we go through to help someone else go through and it gives God the glory. That's that's so beautiful. Yes, yes. My goodness. DeAndrea Hecker now is the mm-hmm. woman you should know. I appreciate women who are willing to have hard conversation and to help us grow in healing and holiness. And DeAndrea Heckard is someone who was doing that, but she is not the only one. Today, we are going to have the first conversation about sexuality and singleness here on The Best Kept Secret. And I had to call my girl Brenna Blaine for this. I have been waiting to release this episode, and it is one that I pray you lean in close. I pray you hit rewind. I pray you get connected to my sister in the Lord because she is doing incredibly important work, as you will hear. Brenna Blaine is a wife, mom, Christian speaker, and writer from the PNW, Pacific Northwest. She is a B.A. in Theology and Biblical Studies from Multnomah University, and she uses her degree to help Christians pursue a deeper and more authentic relationship with the living God. While she speaks on many topics, Brenna is most passionate about God's involvement in our pain and personal struggles, including mental illness, same-sex attraction, and abuse. Help me welcome Brenna Blake to the best kept secret. All right, y'all. I am so ridiculously excited for this conversation. I'm trying to hold it in. I'm trying to be chill. I'm trying to be calm. But Brenna is a big deal. Brenna, girl, you're a big deal. Hello. How are you? (laughs) Um, Well, first of all, that's my pastor would say that's an awfully lot of gravy for a little potato. So <laughs> that's very, very kind. Um, I have been really looking forward to this conversation because you asked a while ago and I was like, I don't have time, but I need to make time. And so I'm so I'm just so happy to be here, Liv. Uh, so grateful for you, sis. So grateful. Uh, let's just jump right in. Y'all. We have so much to unpack today. I'm so excited. This is a timely conversation. It is a necessary Mm. conversation. So Brenna, tell us about your story and how you fell in love with Jesus. Yeah, so my dad was actually a pastor from the time he graduated college until I was about four or five years old. So I grew up in a very typical evangelical household. I knew who Jesus was. I knew about the Bible in my perception, which I think is a lot of kids' perception and doesn't necessarily have to do with the way that my parents parented me, but my perception was that Christianity is really a list of do's and don'ts because of who we believed in. And so I, um, from a young age, just had that view. And I remember when I was young, my grandma got cancer. And that was the first thing that I was like, oh, we, we pray for healing and God heals. Um, but that was not the case. And she died. And a little bit after that, my parents, uh, just a few months after that, actually, my parents sat us down as 10 years old and they said, hey, we're getting separated. My dad moved out of our house. And then uh, about a month and a half or so after that, I was molested by a stranger. And so at the age of 10, I all of a sudden looked at this guy who everyone said was good and, and was there for you and was faithful and thought that is not my experience. And I was sitting in, in uh, church on Sundays hearing like, if you, you probably struggle with lying or whatever it is, and God can be faithful to you and help you not to do that. And I was like, no, I don't struggle with lying to my parents. I, I was abused. That's what I struggle with without having the words to say that. And so from a very young age, I started to question, um, is this God real? And if he is, does he actually care about me? 
And by the time I was 14, you know, I, um, because I, I didn't tell my parents that I was abused and, um, I was wrestling with a lot of other things. By the time I was 14, I was really suicidal, struggling with self-harm. And I realized that I am same-sex attracted. And to me, that was scary because a lot of what I witnessed on the outside was, um, at the time, there's a lot of Westboro Baptist on, on the news. And so it was not a lot of um, healthy or theological conversations around sexuality. It was pretty much just that God hates gay people mm-hmm. and that you're damned to hell. And so I thought, oh, now my life really isn't compatible with Christianity. And so I was going to youth group. I had a really great um, uh, connection with people um, there, but I just, I didn't really buy into this idea of God. And I was living a different life. I was living pretty openly on the internet, um, on Tumblr, which is like a blog that uh, I was really into is, is very much my era. Um, and I thought it was pretty well, a pretty well kept secret, but it was not. And someone at my church found it, sent it to my small group leader. And my small group leader said, Brenna, I, I have no idea what to do. So I told um, our youth pastor. And I thought, that's it for me. I'm going to be asked to leave the only community I've ever known, I've ever loved, I've ever felt welcome. And even though I didn't really love Jesus, I just loved being at this church. And I thought, okay, our youth group's pretty big. Maybe I can go and just get away with like not seeing John, our youth pastor. Maybe I can just avoid him. And so I went and that wasn't successful, ran into him. And he said, hey, Brenna, can I talk to you um, before you leave? And, and so I braced myself for a terrible conversation. And I sat down and John said, I need you to know that a lot of Christians struggle and wrestle with same-sex attraction. You are not alone. You are not the only person experiencing this. You're not the only person dealing with this. And I'm really glad that you're here. That was the only thing he said. And, and for me, it wasn't like, oh, man, does he think differently about the, the theology of sexuality? Like, what what's going on here? It was, ju- it was just this spot where I was left in, oh, I can continue to be here. And I am not a burden on him. And my problem, like, I'm not being seen as a problem. I'm, seeing, I'm being seen as a person. And when I look back at it, it's being seen as a person in need of Jesus. And so I continued to go. And because of that um, interaction with John, I eventually ended up hearing a sermon about the theology of sexuality. And so I always thought um, because I was being prayed, I was praying that God would make me straight. And that didn't happen for me. And I thought that that was my only option. And I heard um, a sermon about how this guy was was saying, hey, when when straight couples get married, we don't have this assumption that as soon as they get married, they all of a sudden lose attraction to every other person in this world. But what we recognize is that there's a dependence we have on the Holy Spirit to help us remain faithful to our spouses. It doesn't mean that temptation isn't there, but that does mean that Jesus is sufficient in those temptations. He said it's such a bummer that we don't believe that for people who are gay or same-sex attracted um, because it's true, but we never talk about it. And that was the first time in my life when all of a sudden I wasn't automatically going to hell. All of a sudden I had a choice that if I were to fall in love with Jesus, he could be faithful to me. He would be sufficient in me walking a life that he calls. And so I still at that point, I, I wasn't really bought in. I thought, man, I would love to smoke weed and surf. That's what I would love to do with my life. I don't want to go to college. So I ended up doing youth with a mission in Hawaii. And, you know, that's a totally normal place to go if you want to do those things. And I ended up there and a lot of other students who were there were kind of there under the same mindset. And I don't know. It was just a series of so many events where I prayed, Lord, I don't know if you're real. Would you reveal yourself to me? And then that happened. And then I go, okay, Lord, 
I don't know what you have for me, but would you just show up for me? And it was like, during the six months, I read through the entire New Testament. And I, it was like this realization for the first time in the world that Jesus is exactly who he says he is, Mm -hmm. that he is there with us, that he wants to heal us, that he wants to be with us, that he communes with us, just all these things, that he is sufficient in our struggles. And so at, at 19 years old, I, not very publicly, but um, between me and God, I said, okay, even if I have to be alone for the rest of my life, because I know the Lord knows that I want a family, but even if that means being faithful to God means I'm alone for the rest of my life, I don't think that's the worst thing because I'll have Jesus. And he has proven to be more than sufficient for me. And I want to spend the rest of my life with him. And I I didn't know what that was going to look like. I really didn't want to be in ministry. I really, um, I'd never like spoken before. I'd never taught the Bible and said, Lord, um, I'll do whatever you ask me to do, but I'm not kicking down any doors. Got home and within a month of being home, someone asked, hey, could you come speak at our youth group? And I went and spoke and I felt this passion. I liken it to, it was like, I was made of gasoline and someone lit a match. I'd never felt that much passion before in my life for teaching the word of God and thought, okay, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life, but I am not well equipped. I need to go back to school now. I need to study Bible and I need to study theology. So I ended up doing that. Um, During my time at YOM, I'd written letters to a friend at home for that entire six months and just, he became my best friend. And I had this conversation with God that was like, Lord, I, I would love to spend the rest of my life with Austin. I would love to do ministry with Austin. I don't, I don't know what this looks like. And I, I, I felt like a physical attraction was necessary because even though sex isn't the most important part of marriage, it is, it is a part of it. Yeah. And um, just as I fell in love with Austin as a person, um, developed those attractions and. I was in a, a conversation with Preston Sprinkle and he he talked about a holistic, like a holistic um, falling in love with this person that was quite unexpected. And I would say that was definitely what it was. And so went to school, graduated, had some babies and have just been doing, I, I don't even know, the Lord is taking me on this journey that I'd never planned, I never expected. And it's so ridiculously exciting to walk this path with the Lord. And and so that's kind of where I'm at now. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. My goodness. I just bless God for Mm. how he uses people in our lives, not to see us as a problem, but to see Mm. us as people and how they love us to health. You know, Mm -hmm. that is so important. Uh, I want to ask you, you know, Jesus calls us to bear our crosses, to Mm. do difficult things. In your opinion, is it more difficult to deny your sexual attraction than someone who has been called to deny their flesh something else? And if so, what would contribute to that? Yes. You know, I I don't think it is more difficult, but I do think that there is more of a social and cultural spotlight on sexuality that makes you bear this cross differently. And what what I often think of when I have this conversation is I, as a Christian, when I say I believe in Jesus, it's pretty explicitly clear that that means I don't follow the religion of Islam. I don't follow the, the religion of Judaism. Like I believe those things are wrong and Christianity is right. And um, there's there's a really good respect for that. Like people have respect for each other's religions mm-hmm. and respect for that disagreement and room for that. But when it comes to sexuality, all of a sudden, um, it, there's there's not a lot of respect. You know, I've never been called Islamophobic because I disagree with that religion, but I have been called homophobic because I believe that my the religion that i subscribe to god calls me to a different way of life and so 
Um, like for another example, I think of right now in in this c- cultural moment, um, a lot of people, I know people who have said yes to substances their entire life and then they met Jesus in adulthood and bearing that cross of saying no to substance abuse or substance addiction is difficult. Mm-hmm. It's really, really difficult. But people are more readily available to respect someone who says, hey, actually, I'm, I don't smoke weed anymore. That's more respectable than um, denying sexuality. And so, and, and so I think this conversation is really important for parents to hear because I think that this is different to this generation. And so it's a lot of like, well, why is this generation so obsessed with sexuality and gender? It's different. It's different and it's raised to a different level. But I would never say that bearing a cross of sexuality is more difficult than any other cross that people bear. And I hope that if there are people who are same-sex attracted who feel like their cross is more difficult, that they would consider the implications of what it means to say that because I don't think we understand other people's struggles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is helpful. You've mentioned that, I mean, our culture that we live in is just obsessed with sex, mm-hmm. obsessed with sexuality. And this generation is just going through things that others of us just have not walked through. I mean, mm. in every way. I- and so my question is, how do we engage the culture in a way that is relevant and helpful while not allowing other important conversations to be lost in the middle of Mm -hmm. it. We do need to talk about sexuality. We do, but how do we address it in a way that will also allow us to address other conversations? Something that I keep returning to that I think is really helpful to keep in the forefront of your mind when we're having these conversations is worldview. Mm. Everyone has a different worldview. And so if you love Jesus, you'll have a biblical worldview. If you love Jesus, you'll keep his commands, but Jesus doesn't call those who do not love him to follow him. And if he did, that would be a dictatorship. So he wouldn't be a good God. And so really being aware of um, who you're talking to and what they're asking, right? Do they want to know why you follow a specific, a specific sexual ethic? Are they, um, are you able to keep in mind the broader truth in, in what these commands are for those who love Christ and for those who don't, um, we're happy. Like, I'm happy to explain why I submit to Christ. But I don't expect, nor should we as Christians condemn those who do not love Christ for not following his ways. But, however, also taking a step back and being able to explain. Um, we do take the call to follow Christ very seriously. And when we see um, that when the Bible talks about not just same-sex, romantic, or intimate relationships, but when the Bible talks about greed or hatred or violence and abuse and drunkenness and lust and adultery, that those habitual sins, um, those things that we continue to give ourselves over to, that it will separate us from spending eternity with God and spending forever with God, no longer being separated from our maker, but being reunited with him is what Christianity is all about. So that is why we are convicted to talk about difficult things, including this um, that society sees as really odd because if someone said, I love Jesus and I'm on a path to follow him, but you are a few steps away from them and you knowingly um, recognize the path they're on is not headed towards Christ, but it's headed towards a destination without him. It would be the most loving thing to correct them and say, hey, you love Jesus, that's great. I want to warn you. I want to let you know that the where you're headed, it's the wrong direction, but there's a map. And the map is the word of God. And it lets us know that this, that there is a right way that Christ calls us to surrender and recenter our hearts on him so that we can go in the right direction towards him. And so to have 
uh, a compassionate conversation, keeping worldview in mind, but then also have a conversation with conviction saying, if you love the Lord, there's a map that we have and we have to submit to that. I just felt the Lord all over that thing. I know mm. y'all did too. My goodness. There's a map, y'all. There's a map. Mm. And when we love people well, we point them in the direction of that map. And we we go on the journey with them as well. <sighs> Berna, you've shared with us that you are just walking in the light of the Lord, that you are married to your best friend, and that mm. yet you still identify as same-sex mm-hmm. attracted. What are some of the hardest things that you've endured as a result of your work? Yeah, well, I want to be sensitive in answering this question to say, first, I think that the church has not historically done well at being compassionate, a compassionate witness to the LGBTQ plus community. And I, I, I say now also that I think the church is coming around. I really do see the church um, having a posture shift towards that. But uh, the, the, I think the majority of the difficulty that I face in my work has been a result of that. And um, really, I think it's there, I think there's often a PTSD response mm-hmm. when someone hears, "Uh oh, this person's talking about." sexuality the intersection of sexuality and faith there's a there's almost a ptsd response and so i i understand the way people respond to me but the most difficult part really has been um i remember someone saying what you believe and what you teach makes people mentally ill and as someone who has struggled with mental illness my entire life and who has um, come close to suicide many times. That was a heavy, heavy, heavy thing to hear. But I think that the Lord, even in that conversation, used it because it was a, for me, it was a prompting to say, okay, this is the perception of what non affirming believers do to people who are affirming or people who are questioning or people who struggle with same-sex attraction. What can I do to, to, to engage this specific conversation well? And so starting to do the theological work and the psychological research to say, are, do we have numbers? Are there studies about mental health of teens coming from Christian homes, coming from non-affirming homes, coming from affirming homes? How do those look? How do they line up? And so um, ultimately I'm thankful for that conversation, but it is, it is heavy. I do, I do get, um, some very explicit emails with some very choice words and those are not enjoyable. And I, I think when I step back and if there's anyone affirming listening, my, my plea is, When you're stepping into these conversations and you're thinking about the way that the church has acted towards LGBTQ people and how you would want the church to act towards LGBTQ people, can you act that way towards non-affirming people? Because the the interesting thing is, too, I've never been approached from a place of someone saying, like, hey, especially like a progressive Christian, I've never been told hey, I I think your research is wrong and I think the Lord has freedom for you. Like I've always just been told I'm wrong and terrible and need to change my views. Like I've never been approached out of a place of empathy. And that's, um, I, I wish there were more empathetic exchanges between the two camps. Even if I, I don't think there's a, a place for unity, I want to say that because um, like I said, Whenever the Bible talks about sexuality, it talks about it in a way that says the Lord is clear and there will be a separation from you and the Lord if you're not willing to chase after this. But I do believe there is still room for empathetic conversations. Yeah. Yeah. That is so helpful. And I am sorry 
that you have had to endure those comments. We are praying mm. for you. You are doing incredible work. And I just thank you for helping me to facilitate this space. You are on my list. <laughs> oh, well, I God appreciate your prayer. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, I know that you have encountered some hard things as much like what you just said. Um, but I also know that it's there that the Lord meets us, right? Mm. Can you speak to us about the sweet things that the Lord has allowed you to enjoy in the middle of your surrender to his will? You sent me this question earlier. And when I, every time I read over it, I get emotional um, because what I thought was best and what I thought I most wanted wouldn't have allowed me to know the life that I have now. And I think of my boys. I think of my relationship with my husband. But even beyond those obvious things, I think about the way I have come to know the faithfulness of the Lord through suffering through difficulty, through hardship. There's like this unveiling of who God is when we walk a long path. It's like when you go on a hike and it's like when you go on a walk, you're hungry afterwards and you eat something and you're like, that was good. When you go on a hike and it's a long hike and it's a difficult hike, like that meal at the end is so much more satisfying and, it, and it's put into perspective right? Like there's this whole new perspective of, oh my gosh, like I, I just, I don't even know. I'm, I'm, I sit here and I go, I'm 27 years old and I can't believe the Lord would allow me to know his faithfulness in the way that he has. I feel completely spoiled <laughs> because of that. I have chills. That is what he does for us, mm. regardless, you know, of what your story is, what you've come through. He is just so good. He really is. And the way that he loves us mm. is so much more encompassing than we could initially imagine mm. it to be. You mentioned about how you have learned so much more in the uh, suffering that you've endured. And I, you know, I just, I don't think that we as the body of Christ handle that conversation as well. I don't think that we handle it well. I don't think that we handle the opportunity to have conversations about marriage and singleness mm, well. Mm -hmm. And that just bothers me. It truly mm. does. How do we steward conversations about marriage and singleness in the body of Christ with integrity? Because it's not always the end game. Marriage is not mm. always the end game. And it's not necessarily the pinnacle. It's a beautiful, you know, representation of the body of Christ that we get to enjoy. But it's not necessarily the end game for mm, us. And mm -hmm. I want to ask, what would you say to that? Sis, it is time for you to start communicating confidently about God's truth. And I am here to help you do that. Whether you want to begin launching your own podcast or you want to recognize your areas of strength and the opportunities of growth you have, you can find a variety of resources in the show notes below as well as at liveduly.com. It's there that you can access the seven podcasting essentials that I cannot do without, as well as the confidence quiz that I've prepared just for you. Now, go be great. There's one small change that I, there was a certain way that marriage was talked about when I was growing up. And I think that purity culture kind of pushed pushed us mm. towards a spotlight on marriage. But I, I think this one small change could maybe lead to better conversations. And it's this, instead of praying for marriage, why don't you pray about marriage? Instead of saying, Lord, I'm praying for my future spouse. 
why don't we start praying, Lord, I'm wondering, is marriage what you have for me or is it something else? I'm, I would love for you to speak into my life about my future. I know marriage is not a guarantee. And I know marriage, um, when I was thinking about what you said of what, about Paul when he's talking about singleness and there is no hierarchy when it comes to the ministers of the gospel and their position and their seasons of life. And so I just think reminding ourselves and those around us, like God has a plan for you and it might not include marriage. And if that, if God's plan for you does not include marriage, that's good because that's God's plan for you. Mm-hmm. And so if we walk into the idea of marriage and singleness, um, open-minded instead of saying, I just want to be single or I just want to be married saying, Lord, I don't know what you have for me. Would you speak to me about it so that I can discern what you have for me in my future and be able to step into that? Well, I think that would change an awful lot in the church. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. What scriptures strengthen your walk with the Lord and give you hope as you continue to encourage the body of Christ in a variety of ways he's led you to do so? There are two that live in in my brain and in my heart. And the first, I actually, my friend told me, I ended up hospitalized age 22 for suicide. And I, just before that, my friend wrote me a note. And at the end of the note, she wrote John 16, 33. I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace in this world. You will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And like that one, like, but take heart. I, I just, it's such a mix of, it's such a mix of things. And I love it because I think it kind of speaks like it really shouts some loud truths at prosperity gospel, right? It says like life is going to be hard. If you love Jesus, life is not going to be perfect. You're not always going to be healed. You're not always going to be wealthy. You're not always like all these things, Mm -hmm. but the Lord has overcome the world and we get to live in that. And then the other is um, Isaiah 57, 15. It's for thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in a high and holy place and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. I remember reading that and thinking, the Lord inhabits eternity. The Lord dwells in forever. That's insane. But not only is that the point, he's saying, and I also see you. It reminds me of the Psalms when David is talking about you made all of creation and you also consider me like that. The, 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 just the difference, like that the Lord is everywhere all at once and he is with us. Just, it just blows my mind. And so that's something that I always return to when I'm, when I'm feeling a little bit bad for myself like remembering like the Lord is everywhere. The Lord inhabits eternity. But then also when I'm struggling, okay, the Lord is with me. He's Emmanuel, God with us. Yes, he is. He is God with us. Who are we <laughs> that you should be mindful of? Mm. Us, my goodness. You know, I don't have the opportunity to speak to every listener as no one would be able to, but Mm, I have to share that I just feel the Lord inviting me to ask you if you might have any advice for the mama out there who is concerned for Mm. her child, who is depressed, who is walking through a few things and uh, she just doesn't know how to help her child, I know when I was, I was incredibly depressed growing up, also dealt with a lot of suicidal ideation. And I mean, I had plans upon plans upon plans about mm. how I was going to take my life. And the Lord saved me one night from from acting on one of those plans in particular. But um, 
I know that I I didn't want to have anything to do with my parents and my mom just kept crying out like, is there any way I can help you? I don't even know what's wrong. Is there something I can do? Mm-hmm. Can you just can you just say, you know, something to that mama who might be concerned for her daughter or her son? Man, the Lord, my mom has been faithful um, in scripture. Like, that's the other thing. Every single night my mom would go to bed, she reads her Bible. And I saw that every single night. And she would never say, like, you need to do this too. But I witnessed that. I witnessed my mom's faithfulness. And so I think just living out what you know to be true, because your kids see it, even if you think they don't see it. And now as an adult, I look back and I see because there's so many moments where I'm like, it doesn't make sense that I'm alive. It doesn't make sense that I was safe. It doesn't make sense that the Lord kept me from making these bad decisions. And then I go, oh, wait, my mom prayed every single day for me. Like, we don't know how the Lord uses our prayers, but we do know that the the Bible says that he hears us and he asks us to pray. And so I think just having faith that the Lord hears you and hears your cries and that your kids see you, even if you think they don't, they see you. And I, and I think that the Lord can be faithful to bringing that to remembrance for them. And so just, um, yeah, I don't, I don't even know if that's helpful or not, but I, I, I think about that all the time. I think about my parents being there for me all the time, even though as a teenager, I was combative and um, probably awful <laughs> to deal with. And and my parents, they said, we'd love for you to be in therapy. Do you want to go to therapy? And I mm-hmm. did. So asking questions like that, your kids probably do want opportunities to share with people who aren't their parents. And so giving them those options yeah. is really good. So. God bless Brenna's mama. My goodness, mm. what a beautiful, beautiful testimony. You know, I was listening into a podcast episode you hosted with someone. I'm not quite sure. It might have been Priscilla's. Um, but I was just moved to tears by how you shared that um, there was a woman that felt the Lord telling her to come and share. Mm. And I just want to add, my goodness, that was that was a blessing to me. I don't mm. even have children, but I, I just want to add, if I may, Mama, God has got your baby. He mm. is omnipresent. And when you can't get to her or him, he will send someone mm. that can. Did you want to talk at all about that or we can link the other episode once I find it? <laughs> I'm yeah, if you want to link it, it's okay. it's a long story. I think that should be heard in entirety because okay. it's pretty insane how the Lord did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll link that. <sighs> can you tell us about the work that you you just do to help? people interact with hard questions and where everybody can connect with you. This, I cannot tell you, has been such a blessing. Mm. Um, I have just felt the Lord in this space with us. I know that our sisters feel him too. I know that he's moving in some of Mm. those intimate relationships that they're concerned about. Can you talk about your work and where we can find you? Yeah. So um, in both my time running away from Christ with a crowd who's really doing the same to my time in ministry, hearing vulnerable confessions, not just from young people, but from people who'd spent 30, 40, 50 years in the church. I came to realize that people look at questions and doubts and suffering as an off-ramp to faith. And if you experience these things, it feels like the two options are either be silenced by legalism and be hid away or be recruited by progressivism and be led away. But when I look um, not just at my own suffering and doubts and questions, but those stories that are told in the biblical narrative, I see that those three things specifically when leaned into 
don't lead you away from God, but they unveil his character even more. And so the pri- uh, the the work my work is primarily focused in two areas. The first is speaking. Um, I get to speak all over the United States at conferences and guest speak at churches on uh, weekends and to young adult and youth groups uh, to teach from the Bible how God responds to some of these heavy, taboo, unsafe areas that so many of us not just wonder about, but have been affected by. And so um, if you're listening and you're wondering, like, hey, I would love to check out maybe um, what it would be like to partner with you uh, for speaking, you can reach out to me at www.brennablaine.com. It's Blaine, B-L-A-I-N. No E at the end. Um, and then for everything else ministry-wise, I almost do everything on Instagram. And so my Instagram handle is at bun on my head. Or you can just look up Brenna Blaine, B-R-E-N-N-A-B-L-A-I-N. I'm the only Brenna Blaine in North America, so it's pretty easy to find me. Um, but I would love to connect with you there. Y'all already know, you don't have to go far at all. I'm linking everything down below. Get connected to our sister. Mm-hmm. This is such, such a necessary work. My goodness, I, I appreciate your work to invite others into the hard questions. Linking everything down below the podcast, the Instagram, the everything. Can I ask you a few uh, secrets before we go? Yes. Okay, first one. What are you doing to slow down in this fast-paced culture? I have learned to make really wide margins for myself. Mm -hmm. So Saturday night is always going to be date night with my husband. Sunday is only church and being with my family. That's it. And so I have to say no a lot. Um, Speaking, I won't speak more than six times a year. It doesn't matter if it's like flying across the United States or something at my home church. I just, I won't do it. I, I got to keep those margins. Um, we, I mean, the Pacific Northwest is beautiful. And so getting outside anytime I can. But I recently, when I wake up in the morning, our toddler comes into, well, he's not really a toddler anymore. He's four years old. He gets into our bed at like 2 a.m. in the morning and then we sit together in the morning and I read my Bible and it's like my favorite thing every single morning. I just, uh, I love it. So that sounds heavenly. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Uh, That's bringing a smile to my face. The next question was Mm. what's bringing a smile to your face? It might be different. Is it different? (laughs) What's bringing a smile to your face these days? My, my four-year-old is, we've like, he's we've crossed the line from like toddler into he's he's getting old he's asking really good questions he goes to a christian preschool and so he's asking some big theology questions and i'm like i what i I never thought about that i can't even answer that and just like really enjoying doing things with him going places with him like his social commentary it's just like you know, sometimes those nights are really, really long and then and you never think this time will come. And now it's like, Rudy, let's go do something together. Like, I just, I, I love it so much. That's amazing. That is amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Would you pray us out? Yes. Lord, I already know you are faithful to bring this podcast to the ears of those who need to hear it, God. And whether that's one person or a thousand people, Lord, um, I pray that whatever I said that isn't helpful, you would just um, allow people to look past. Lord, um, if there's anything that I said that is helpful, that people would see that as you and me, um, they wouldn't see it as us as humans, um, but they would see the Holy Spirit at work. Lord, I pray for those who are wrestling, whether it's um, with same-sex attraction or with mental health or with something else, Lord, that they would recognize the not just the privilege, but also the communion that we have with you when it comes to bearing our cross. Lord, that we are not bearing this cross alone, that we share in your suffering, so also we share in your hope, in your joy, in your delight, God. 
I thank you for Liv and her ministry, Lord, and what you are doing in her life. God, um, would you just bless her, bless this ministry, God, and bless those who are listening. And would they be prompted to step into conversations that might feel difficult? Because we know that we are not alone in stepping into those. We have the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we know that we can learn more about you through those conversations. So I thank you. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. (sighs) Didn't that conversation just make you want to get into your word? I know I can't wait to just find some time with God to study his word. If this conversation helped you in any way, would you please head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Audible and leave a review? It would truly help others to find this conversation. Now, in between time, I am at Candid Live, and it would be a pleasure to do life with you. I'll talk with you soon. Love you.